you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians. As we come to this table of remembrance, we're going to be remembering today the message of the cross. Paul is writing to a very good church that had all kinds of issues, as most churches do today. And he was writing to remind them that salvation is a gift of God. It comes by the power of God. And there is a message in the cross. The cross itself has no power. You can hang it around your neck. Some people use it like a good luck charm. We adorn churches with it to set them apart from the local library. But there is no power in the cross. The power is in the message of the cross. And that's what Paul was reminding these believers when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's pray for a moment. Father, the message of the cross is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a message of love and grace and mercy and power. It's a message that is foolish to some. It's the power of God to those who are being saved. And I pray today, God, as we come to this table, you will open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to believe and understand the message of the cross. And we'll thank you in your precious name. Amen. Henri Nguyen is a Dutch Catholic, was a Dutch Catholic priest, a professor, uh, an author, writer, theologian. He wrote a book some years ago called Our Greatest Gift, and in it he told a parable of a twin brother and sister in the womb who were contemplating the prospect of life after birth. An interesting parable. Here's how he told it. The sister said to the brother, I believe there's life after birth. Her brother protested vehemently. No, no, this is all there is. This is a dark and cozy place, and we have nothing else to do but to cling to the cord that feeds us. The little girl insisted, there must be something more than this dark place. There must be something else, a place with light where there's freedom to move. Still, she could not convince her twin brother. After some silence, the sister said hesitantly, I have something else to say, and I'm afraid you won't believe that either. But I think there's a mother. Her brother became furious. A mother, he shouted. What are you talking about? I've never seen a mother, and neither have you. Who put that idea in your head? As I told you, this place is all we have. Why do you always want more? This is not such a bad place after all. We have all we need, so let's be content. The sister was quite overwhelmed by her brother's response and for a while didn't dare say anything more, but she, she couldn't let go of her thoughts, and since she had only her twin brother to speak to, she finally said, don't you feel these squeezes every once in a while? They're quite unpleasant and sometimes even painful. Yeah, he answered, what's so special about that? Well, the sister said, I, I think these squeezes are there for a purpose. I, I think they're getting us ready for something else, for another place. A place much more beautiful than this, where we'll see our mother face to face. Isn't that exciting? The brother didn't answer. 
he was fed up with the foolish talk of his sister and felt that the best thing would be simply to ignore her and hope that she would leave him alone. Some messages are so true, they seem like foolishness to some people. The message of the cross is like that. So true, it can seem like foolishness to some. It seems, Paul said, foolish to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to those who are being saved. That's what Paul was writing to these Corinthian believers to remind them that they were being saved by believing the message of the cross, the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. The very message we're remembering today in communion. Because see, communion is our remembrance of the death of Jesus, the death he died on a cross. Jesus said, this bread is my body, this cup is my blood. It's given for you. And as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. This meal is a memorial. It's a call to remember the one who died on that cross. Eating this meal will not save you. You can't be saved by being good. You can't be saved by being religious or getting baptized or going to church or reading your Bible. The only way to be saved from the power of sin is to be saved by God's power released and revealed in the message of the cross. And Paul told the Corinthians that the message of the cross was either foolishness or it's the power of God to save. That's why he said in verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, the word foolishness is just what you think it is. It refers here to an opinion of foolish and ignorant people who for whatever reason cannot or will not embrace the truth. Those who think this message foolish only confirm that they are perishing, Paul said. They are being destroyed. They are perishing in the sin that is destroying them. But it is the power of God to save those who believe. Being saved from sin and its destruction. It is the power of God. It is the dunamis of God, the word from where we get our word dynamite. It is the explosive, active power of God to save from sin those who believe its message, the message of the cross. Communion is a precious reminder of the power of God in the message of the cross. What is that message? Well, there is a broad message of the gospel. It is a message of God's love. It's a message of his grace. It's a message of his mercy. But it's also a message of his power. A power that only God possesses. A power he has revealed in the cross. And what the message is that Paul's getting across here is that the message of the cross is that there's only one way to God and, there, and that we are powerless to save ourselves. The message of the cross is there is only one way to God. Do you remember in the upper room at the Last Supper, the night before Jesus went to the cross, he said to his disciples in John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only one way seems foolish to a people who like options. A few years ago, I went into a store, check out a new pair of golf shoes. I'm not exactly sure why. The way I play golf, I don't even need clubs. But anyway, I went in to look for a new pair of golf shoes. So I said to the guy who came up to me, I said, hey, do you guys carry FootJoy brand of golf shoes? He said, oh yeah, we have 106 styles. I was a little overwhelmed. Then he said, oh, and we have many other brands and many other ways that you can order these shoes. You see, you and I are people that like options. That's why stores offer options. If you go to a store and they only have one option, we got a size 10 and it's blue, you're probably not going to buy there. It's foolish to not have options. That's why people think the message of the cross is foolishness. Because to say that Christ is the only way seems foolish to so many. Because we like lots of options. People don't ever, don't ever miss this. Satan is the one who offers options to God. God is the one who offers the way. The way. And that way is Jesus. You see, it was the upper room at the Last Supper before Christ was to go to the cross the next day. Hostile crowds were outside that wanted to arrest him. Inside, things were turning bleak and disappointing. As they began to understand, Jesus was telling them he's leaving. But not to be afraid. He said, remember who you believed in, remember where I'm going, and what's waiting for you in the future. John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, speaking the concern of the whole group, spoke up in verse 5. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can you know the way? When I read that thing, I think, how could he not know? Jesus just told him, I'm going to the Father's house. And I'm coming back to get you. And you know the way. Disciples didn't get it. So Jesus answered in verse 6, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the message of the cross is that there is only one way to God and eternal life, only one way to be saved from sin and eternal death. Jesus is that way. He's the only way. That's why Jesus told the crowds that he was the gate to life. Do you remember in Matthew 7, verse 13? Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. 
But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The way to destruction is wide. The way to perishing is wide. It's like a freeway to hell. Everybody's on that road at one time. But some people stay on that road. And Satan makes it awfully comfortable to stay there by convincing you that you can do this on your own, your religion's good enough, that there are many ways to God, you don't have to worry, everybody gets to heaven in the end. It's a lie. It's broad, it's wide, a lot of people on it. But the way to life is narrow. It comes down to a gate. That gate is a person, one person wide. You come to God through Jesus or you don't come at all. You see, the truth is there are not many gods. There's only one. There are not many ways to God. There's only one. Billy Sunday, the famous baseball player and eventual evangelist years ago, once said, I want to tell you that the way to heaven is a blood-stained way. No man has ever reached it without Jesus Christ, and he never will. That message is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God to those who are being saved. And so the question today is, how does that message seem to you, that Jesus is the only way to God? Foolishness or the power of God? If you believe that message then you are being saved God's way by the power of God. And not only that there's only one way to God, but the message of the cross is that we are powerless to save ourselves. This is why people think the message foolishness. Remember the Apostle Paul, Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'll come back to the rest of this later. Because you see, sometimes no matter how badly we want to do something, we're powerless to carry it out. I was watching a video with my daughter Kimmy the other night, a video that Carla had taken years ago when Kimmy was only three or four. And uh, I was given horsey rides or piggyback rides, whatever you call them, to the kids. You know, you get down on your all fours and they jump on your back and they kick you and slap you and, you know, you're a horsey or you're a pig or you're whatever animal they want to ride that day. So I'm giving them rides all over the house. Well, Kimmy was three or four, gives this, gets this idea, I want to give daddy a ride. And I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? I mean, on all four, she's only that far off the ground. And my, so I get on her back, and I'm slowly, gently lowering myself down, and I can't get low enough to the ground. And so I just gently push down, and I've got her squashed flat on the floor. <laughs> and she says to me, Daddy, I can't move. I can't get up. And I said, how come? She said, because you're too big. You see, Kimmy wanted to give me a piggyback ride, a horsey ride, but she couldn't do it. In fact, with me sitting on her back, 
she was powerless. She couldn't move because I was too big. Paul said that's the same thing you're going to discover as you try to solve the sin problem you've got on your own. You may want to. You may think you can. But you can't. You're powerless. The sin problem is just too big. That's why Paul told the Romans in Romans 5, verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. That's you. The word powerless means feeble or weak or impotent is a good synonym. All human effort to save ourselves by whatever means only leaves us dead in our sin because we are powerless to do anything about it. The power of sin and death is just too big, and it's a problem we all face. Paul said in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the problem. All of us have sinned. Every one of us have fallen short of God's righteous standard. We're all sinners. There are no exceptions. The wages of sin is death. That's why Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You're dead in sin. Dead people can't do anything to save themselves. Dead people can't do anything to alter their situation. They're dead. But that doesn't stop people from trying or still thinking that that's the key. There's something I got to do. You remember the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, this young rich guy that comes to Jesus? Good man by all appearances. He's sincere. He's devout. And he comes to Jesus in Matthew 19, and he wants to know how to have eternal life. So you remember his question to Jesus? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Did you hear his question? What must I do? That's where most people are. So Jesus said, well, you've got to keep all the commands. The boy said, well, I've done that since I was a lad. Jesus said, no, you haven't. In fact, let me show you this. Here's what's standing in your way. Go get rid of everything you got. That's what's standing in your way. Give that to the poor and then come follow me. And it said the man went away sad because he owned much. And so the disciples said to Jesus, well, if this guy who's sincere and devout and obviously blessed of God with wealth, if he can't be saved, who can be saved? If he can't be saved by all of that effort, who can be saved? And remember what Jesus told him? Matthew 19, verse 26. With man, this is impossible. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Man can't do it. It's impossible for him, but God can do it. You see, we are powerless to save ourselves, but God can save anybody who believes the gospel. I can assure you, if he can save me, he can save anybody. The good news of salvation in Jesus Christ is the message of the cross. That's why Paul told the Romans in Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In your bulletins today is this track. This track provided by a couple in our church is simply a little tool that you can use to help people be introduced to the good news of Jesus Christ. Very effective. Bad news? Here's the good news. Under the good news, number two, it says this. 
So you must trust Jesus Christ to get you to heaven through no effort of your own. But you may say, well, I go to church, I don't steal, I'm a good person, I help the poor, I'm religious. These are all good, but good living, going to church, helping the poor, or any other good thing you might do cannot get you to heaven. You must trust in Jesus Christ alone, and God will give you eternal life as a gift. It's the power of God. You see, that's why Paul told the Romans in Romans 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We can't do it, but God can, and he will when we believe, which is why Paul told the Romans in Romans 5, verse 6, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Do you see what Paul said God did by his power? It's the love of God, justified by his blood, saved from God's wrath, no longer God's enemy, reconciled as a son through his death, saved by his life. No wonder, Paul said, the message of the cross is the power of God to those who are being saved. So the question on this day or any day is, have you believed? Have you believed God? Have you believed the message of the cross? Because if you have, you are being saved by his power. I was reading a, a piece written by Bob Page. He's a pastor from Crystal Lake, Illinois who was telling about another pastor friend of his named Steve Yeschek, who was also from Crystal Lake. He was telling the story because Steve, the pastor, lost his sister Judy after a five-year battle with cancer. She was a woman who, as Steve described her, was a party animal, a big drinker with a self-centered lifestyle. She was somebody everybody loved because she exuded excitement and a thrill for life. She was the life of a party. When Steve tried to share Jesus with her over the years, she would laugh it off and keep partying. But at the age of 44, her world caved in. She found out she had breast cancer. And later she learned her husband had cancer too. And adding to the devastation of these two blows was the realization that her husband had been having an affair. And so he subsequently announced he didn't love her anymore and he left her. 
It was in that context that Judy began to ask eternal questions about life. And with the help of her brother, she eventually believed. She invited Christ into her life. From that time until her death, Jesus and his word and purpose became her priority. And with the same gusto she lived life as an unbeliever, she now approached her new life in Christ. Her greatest aim was winning others to Jesus. She boldly shared her faith, even as she was undergoing surgery after surgery, treatment after treatment, praying for a miraculous healing from the Lord. But Judy ultimately came to see that the greater miracle would not be her healing. It would be God using this cancer to bring people to Christ. Even as she struggled for every breath, she talked her way out of the hospital about 10 days before she died so that she could be baptized and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the only way of salvation. Judy invited everyone she knew to come to her baptism service. Under the Spirit's anointing, she powerfully and urgently shared her testimony. Her 84-year-old father came to faith in Christ that night and was baptized along with her, along with her ex-husband, a number of nieces, a college roommate who was a New Age cultist, her aunt, her sister, and others. Ten days later, Judy died. And even still, more people came to know the Savior. When Pastor Steve got up to read the message she had written out and prepared for her own funeral service, a hundred more people came to Christ that day at her memorial. A hundred. What did the Apostle Paul tell the Romans in Romans 1.16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence. That's not what does it, Paul said. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Message of the cross. There is only one way to God. We are powerless to save ourselves.
But God has made the way. And he has the power to save those who believe. That's what we remember today in communion. This bread is my body, Jesus said. This cup is my blood. It's given for you. So as often as you eat it, remember me. Lord, without you, we are eternally lost. Without you, there is no way. Without you, we are powerless. But in grace, love, and mercy, you reach down. And Jesus, in your death on the cross, the power of God was released. The power of God was made known. The message of the cross is the power of God. Thank you for saving us when we believe. Today, Lord, in this room, there are those who need to come to you today. They need to trust you. They need to believe that you are the Savior. Others need to come back to you. They've wandered away, but they need to come back to be reminded today there's no life apart from you. For others, this is a day simply to give thanks and praise and worship. But whatever it is, today is a day to remember you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.